You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. Hey everybody, this is Dan Savage, and this is the Savage Lovecast, the weekly out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The phone number here if you want to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720, and you download this swiftly and expertly every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. Hey Dan, I'm kind of into mild bondage, but I have a weird problem. I've never been able to get into it with anybody I really love, like a boyfriend or right now my husband, Um, only with guys I casually dated. Do you have any advice for how I can feel more comfortable letting the sex and the emotions join together? Thanks. Often when people have trouble doing the things that turn them on with a lover, but no trouble doing those things with a casual partner, it's because they still, you know, however hip you may think you are, uh, however cool you may think you are with your fetishes and kinks and sexual interests, you have some sort of uh, shame about it and hang up about it. Which you're, with somebody you don't care about, you don't care if they judge you. You don't care if they think less of you for being into these things. You don't care if they dump you over it because you don't care about them because it's just a casual thing. With your husband, even if you know your conscious brain knows that he loves you and that he's going to give it a try for you um, and that he wants to make you happy, subconsciously you're, you think that by being the you know, sex crazed bondage freak that you are, that you'll be un- that that somehow makes you unworthy of love, that that somehow is repulsive or should be repulsive to him. Uh, and, and you risk, you feel that, you know, really letting go with somebody that you care about by doing that, you risk losing them. You risk losing their love and affection and presence in your life. And the only way to, you know, incorporate the things that turn you on into a relationship that's stable and loving uh, and it makes you feel secure is to really will yourself to do it, to throw yourself into it, to tell yourself that you're going to do it uh, and you're going to keep doing it until you get comfortable doing it with this person that you love. It's not enough to say, oh, I, you know, I've done it with four million casual partners and it was great every time. You know, and I tried it three times with my husband and it kind of felt weird and I don't want to do it anymore with him. You have to do it 4,000 times with him. If you think back, I'm sure, to the first dozen or so times you had bondage sex with your casual sex partners or with guys you dated casually, um, the, probably the first dozen or so times, it probably didn't work out very well. It probably was a little weird and freaky and waka, waka, waka. Just like you gave bondage more than a dozen chances when you were having it, uh, enjoying it with casual sex partners, you need to give your husband more than a dozen or two dozen chances uh, with bondage before you become comfortable doing it with him, doing it with somebody you love and you have feelings for it. Now, when it comes to BDSM, a lot of people say that certain aspects of it don't work, you know, if there's this overriding love relationship. I, I think that's bullshit. And I know too many people who are in long-term relationships and incorporate some BDSM play uh, to, to believe that that's always the case, that there's some love tripwire that makes, you know, smacking somebody around in the sack impossible. That's not true. And so you just have to get over that hump. These are psychological blocks. These, there's nothing about... The sex or the intimacy, there's nothing about your plumbing, nothing about who he is sexually. The blocks are yours and they're psychological. And the only way you can break through those sometimes is to hurl yourself through them, is to smash through them. And the only way you can do that is by doing it. Hey, Dan. My name is Cassie. I'm a 23-year-old 
straight female. Um, my question is a little bit more technical and physical. Um, it's about anal sex, which I really like to have, uh, but I find the, the prep work for it to be extremely time-consuming and kind of involved for me. I mean, maybe something's wrong with uh, what comes out of me, but um, so I just, I want to know, like, how, how people clean themselves for this, because, you know, I don't know anybody who likes anal sex. I don't know. None of my gay guy friends want to talk to me about sex, and none of my female friends will do it. And so, um, you know, I have a system that <laughs> tends to take a while and involves, you know, various household objects, blah, 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 to, <laughs> to get ready to go. Um, so I guess I want to know about uh, enemas. I want to know about, like, cleansers that people use or maybe, like, dietary things that you could do like like what do the anal porn stars eat to to have everything be okay for their uh their other ends there so any help you can offer would be great um thanks very much uh your butt we've gone over this we'll go over it again your butt is not a chocolate frozen yogurt dispenser it's not always leaking and dripping uh, it's not as if, you know, you put your finger inside and it's just a world of fudge, uh, despite what you may have heard. Um, if you're having regular bowel movements, if you have a balanced diet, if you uh, drink plenty of fluids that aren't uh, all Diet Coke and coffee, uh, and if you get fiber in your diet and you have regular solid stools and regular bowel movements, your guts should be empty and relatively clean. Uh, actually clean, period, of anything but rectal mucus, which sounds terrible, um, but snot, that actually helps uh, with anal intercourse, uh, and God put there to aid us in anal intercourse. Um, you do not, unless you want complete psychological comfort, you want complete assurance that there is no possible way that poop could happen to you during anal sex, that Santorum could appear on the scene. If you want a 100% guarantee that there's not going to be any Santorum, then you need to give yourself four million enemas and sit on the toilet and just walk, clean yourself out, wash yourself out. But when you see all that stuff coming out of you when you give yourself an enema and you give yourself another one and it's still brown water and you give yourself another one and it's brown and maybe there's some bits of lettuce in it and you give yourself another one and it's still brown, what you're doing is you're getting far, far up your digestive you know, track. You're getting way, way to the top where there's partly digested food and every bit of crap in your system. You know, the, 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 you know, the lower GI is a long and winding road that leads to your rectum. And you can fuck the very, you know, last six to eight inches of it or four to 10 inches of it without involving all the rest of the stuff that's yards and yards and yards and yards away. You do not have to get all that out unless, you know, you can't be comfortable getting fucked unless you know there's nothing in you. In which case, give yourself a million enemas until the water runs clean. And then you can bang away at your ass uh, with complete comfort and assurance that there will be no Santorum. Um, if you are going to be a grown-up about it and, you know, eat right and take regular poops and have some assurance that if you've evacuated your bowels that you're going to be clean. You can just bang away. You can also get a thing called an anal douche, uh, which is a bulb, and you can just clean the last little bit of your uh, insides out uh, to give yourself some extra assurance without having to 
really roto root yourself all the way to the very top of your GI. Uh, so if you do those things, eat right, anal douche if you must, uh, but listen to your body, pay attention to your body, pay attention to times you crap. And then also, you know, when you feel like you're not comfortable, when you feel like this might not be the time, don't fucking have anal sex. Do something else. Go to a movie. Color. Do something else. Hi, um, I am 17 years old and I'm straight. And uh, this is a cock-sucking question. I can suck my own uh, penis and uh, I do it a lot when I jack off. And it's awesome, and I love doing it, but I, I don't need to do it to climax. And uh, just making that clear right now, it's just a little thing that I like doing. And, I mean, I know I, I can do it, so I do it, and it just contributes to awesomeness. I don't need to do it to, you know, climax. And so the problem is that whenever I, you know, I suck my cock, I, I get really bad back pain whenever I... I mean, I'm, while I'm doing it, and after I'm doing it, but, you know, while I'm doing it, I'm more focused on the actual, you know, I'm sucking my cock because it's awesome. And uh, afterward, now I'm focusing on, oh, shit, my back hurts real, real bad. Uh, the And, I mean, when I say bad, I mean, it hurts real bad. And so um, should I stop, you know, sucking my own cock for the sake of the health of my back? And could I, you know, hurt my back in the long run, like hurt myself badly? All right, thanks. It's good to know that you uh, you don't have to suck your dick. You only can because it just contributes to its awesomeness, uh, your jerk-off sessions. Uh, it's not like you're gay or anything that you have to suck your dick. You could take or leave the sucking of your dick, and so you're totally straight. We totally get it. You don't have to try so hard to convince us all that you're straight. Uh, a guy sucking his own dick is no gayer than a guy giving himself a hand job. A guy giving another guy a hand job, that's pretty gay. A guy sucking some other guy's dick, that's pretty gay. A 17-year-old straight kid sucking his own dick, that's not gay at all. Uh, so no worries there, kiddo. All right, this is kind of like a doctor, doctor, it hurts when I go like this instance. And the doctor, and I'm not a doctor, is supposed to say, well, don't go like that. If it hurts your back so badly uh, that you afterwards regret it and you worry about doing permanent damage to your back, you might want to think about stopping. That's hard to contemplate. I know when you're deriving so much pleasure from sucking your own dick, I encourage you to leave the house too every once in a while. I'm sure uh, if I could have sucked my own dick when I was 17, I never would have left the house. I would have been translucent after about three years of staying in my room alone, sucking my dick, but you should leave the house because you need to find somebody else to suck your dick. Um, who's of legal age, as I hope you are, wherever you are, uh, because you clearly need to knock it off or tone it down or dial it back. Or it sounds like, as many teenagers do, you engage in marathon masturbation sessions. You might want to limit if, you know, if it's seriously hurting your back because you're doing it for hours. You might want to see if it hurts your back if you only did it for, you know, 15 minutes or five minutes at the very end, you know, a big sucky climax. Uh, or you might just want to stop. Or maybe you should, like, go fucking take a yoga class. Maybe there's some stretching you could do. I don't know if you'd want to tell your yoga teacher why you were there exactly. But if you told them that you were having back pains and left out exactly what was inducing them, uh, a good yoga instructor would work on you and work on your back and strengthening your back and stretching. And maybe could, you know, maybe soon you'll be, you know, your nose will be down to your nuts or your nuts will be up to your nose uh, if you take a really good yoga class and you're dedicated to it. If it's really basically 
is the ability to suck your own dick worth putting on a leotard and going to your yoga class? That's what you have to confront. It sounds like it might be. If it's not, you need to stop sucking your own dick. If it is, go buy a leotard. Question for the day. Why do you guys get morning wood? Are they horny every time they get it? Are they just thinking about sex all the time that it just pops up and greet them and say, good morning, sunshine, play with me? What causes it? Can people with erectile dysfunction get it? And all that other jazz. Because I'm a girl. I don't have one. Don't know. We have erections in the morning because God is trying to tempt us into sucking our own dicks, into rolling up in an O and seeing if we can't get it in. Uh, there are a lot of theories. Nobody really knows for sure. Some people maintain that during REM sleep, you have erotic thoughts and you go swing. Some people feel that your dick is erect for hours in the night. Uh, the, it's a body way of maintaining the dick, making sure it's getting enough blood um, and, and is in you know, working order when you need it, uh, sort of test runs uh, for your dick in your sleep, test runs of your erectile tissue. It is one way that actually doctors determine whether uh, impotence is a, has a psychological cause or a physiological cause. Uh, if it's psychological, uh, if it's psychological block that's making a man impotent, he will still get uh, morning erections and erections in the night. And if it's physiological, he won't. Uh, so it's one good indication. So, so you know, answer to your question. Uh, truly impotent guys or guys who are impotent because of prostate cancer or some physiological reason don't get morning wood. But uh, it just seems like a, a sort of a gift horse thing. We get it, and it's good, and we shouldn't think about it too hard. Hello, Mr. Dan. Calling up in a question today about STIs, I think as you like to put them. And I've only had two partners my whole life. I'm a straight middle 20 age man. <laughs> and question revolves around whether or not, you know, I am having one of these STIs. I'm a wuss, I guess, pussy when it comes to thinking about getting myself checked. And that would be the easy answer, of course, but that's not how we work here on earth. And my question comes with me having one good partner and one sketchy partner. After the sketchy partner um, ended up getting back with the woman that I originally had been with for a few years and after having intercourse for about a month we decided you know we should get tested and I kind of chickened out but she didn't and she said that she came out with nothing so I'm wondering does that make me safe or should I need to get checked to make sure that I am I just finished listening to your message, Juan, and I thought I'd give you a call to yell at you in person over the phone. I was expecting this. <laughs> uh, can I, before, before we get to your issue about uh, the one sketchy partner and the one nice partner and the partner who got tested and whether it means you're in the clear, can I tell you a little story about myself? I'll sit back and listen for it's, sure. It's one of my favorite topics myself, uh, as anyone who reads the column should know. In 1984-ish, when I was 19-ish, I had to go get tested for this thing called HIV when we all thought we were going to fucking die. <laughs> okay. When, you know, I was a like, gay teenager and hadn't had that much fucking sex, but had enough to be worried, and a couple people had already died that I knew. Ouch. That was fucking scary, you fucking pussy. <laughs> I mean, scrotum. That was fucking scary. <laughs> oh, man. I what you're like facing... Cool. Ain't fucking scary. Like, I wasn't out to my dad, the Chicago cop, yet. 
I had just really only begun to become sexually active, and then suddenly the, you know, the cock-shaped cigar in all of our mouths exploded all over the country all at once, and people were dropping fucking dead, and we all thought we were going to die, and Jesse Helms was going to have us all quarantined onto an island, and the new national review saying we should all be tattooed on the arms and buttocks, and people were saying we should be rounded up. And I had to, like, march my ass, not into, like, there were no, like, AIDS clinics yet, there were no, you know, safe and anonymous test sites yet, there was no legislation yet protecting the rights of people who are HIV positive against discrimination, there was no medical interventions that worked at all for HIV. I had to go look at my pediatrician. I had to look in his face. This guy had been treating me as a little kid and said, oh, by the way, uh, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm worried that I have the AIDS because I'm one of the gays, and can you check for me? Do I have the AIDS? And please don't tell my mom that I asked you about this. So, I mean, I hate to rant, but you are in no position to, like, puss out of going to the goddamn doctor. Can I ask what, what, what like, I guess I'm so ignorant to the idea what what do they do now is it going to be like a blood thing it's a blood test they draw a little blood and they do a whole battery of tests so there's no there's nothing like a like a big tube gene shoved up my penis no not unless i think you request it <laughs> not the last uh, couple times i went in oh, you know if you have a sore they might want to look at it oh man if you have pus coming out of your penis they might want to take a swab okay it's not, it's but they're not, not going to rotor rooter your dick though. or anything pardon it's, see, it's nothing like that because you know it's it's looking normal, but it's you know it's been like four years since then. You know, is it like what you know is it bound to have like a signal or something coming up sooner? No, no. Well, what'll happen is if you got syphilis, say, the longer you wait, the likely you are to die of it, to go insane, and to to suffer permanent damage. Oh man! You know, and that, that, that you know it's a pretty good indication that that you're not. Uh, that you don't have anything, if the last person you were sexually active with went and get, got tested well after you were sexually active, and she was totally clear, then you're probably not either. But you know what? Even with that assurance, you're still stressed out about it. You're right. And you'll you stay right. stressed out about it until you go get tested your goddamn self. So are we talking, are we talking like a deposit here? Do they, do, do they even do those for free anymore? What's going on with well, that? Well, where, where do you live-ish? What state-ish? Let's say, let's say uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So you go to PlannedParenthood.org. You can look up via zip code the Planned Parenthood office closest to you. Okay. And you go there, and if you have health insurance, they'll probably want to bill your insurer. If you don't, they'll probably do, they will do it for free. And I'm sure the Milwaukee Health Department runs... Free health clinics. I, I have. I'm gonna just Google it right now. You just hold the fuck on. Oh no. We're, no, I'm gonna. I'm like. I'm gonna do the the death march. I guess. I'm such a pussy, Dan. You are a pussy. I know. I know. I and I. And, but I was hoping that maybe you know, you would like have a, like a drunk day today and just say, you know what, you're in the clear, bro. But I guess I'm not that lucky. All right. I. You know what? I googled Milwaukee STI clinic testing and yeah. came up with Milwaukee area clinics. Right. And Planned Parenthood sites. And you know what? There are a couple of dozens. So is it a thing where, like, uh, so so I don't, they don't have to see, even see my penis, right? Like you're saying, it's going to be drawn blood, you know, do I, do I even, do I say, hey, No, no, they're going to want to take pictures of your penis, blow them up, and hang them off the sides of the goddamn building. <laughs> what are you afraid of? It's a doctor. <laughs> even if they want to look at your penis, which they probably won't.
I'm not Jewish, by the way. I mean, the last time I went in for a full STI screening, they just took a little blood, asked me some questions. Okay. Oh, you know what? This, you know what? After I get it done, I probably will feel like, you know, either an ass because I got something or in the clear if I'm not, you know, of course. But you'll be, you'll, You're probably fine. And you know what? Even if you have something, mm-hmm. you're probably fine. What, how for? What do you mean by that one? Well, because there are very common sexually transmitted infections out there, like HPV, okay. that our bodies, with HPV in particular, you know, people get exposed, they become carriers, some people clear the virus, they don't understand doctors quite yet why that happens or how that works, but, you know, sexually transmitted infections are part of the price of admission. You're not going to always get them. If you're safe and responsible, you probably won't. There should be no stigma attached to sometimes people, to the fact, you know, so many people get them. You know, you roll the dice, you move your mice, and sometimes you get the sexually transmitted infection. The only way to avoid sexually transmitted infections all your life is to never have sex all your life. And even then, there are certain ones that you can get literally from the cliche, from toilet seats, from, you know, the benches in locker rooms, from shaking a 95-year-old nun's withered hand. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> you know, part of being a grown-up is, you know, you get on airplanes, they sometimes crash. You go skiing, sometimes people slam into trees and die. You go swim in Lake Michigan, sometimes people get sucked out by rib tides and drown. You have sex, sometimes you get an STI. You want to do what you can to minimize your risk? Don't go fucking swimming in January. Don't fucking ski with the Kennedys. Don't get on a plane if, you know, the, the engine's on fire. And use, you know, be responsible about your, who your sex partners are and, and treat them responsibly and use condoms. No, and usually, you should be okay. But no, you're no. still running some small risk. And you have to, like, be willing to shoulder that risk and accept that risk and be a grown-up about that risk and get treated and get tested and get screened if you're sexually active. And then not to be, like, a big blubbering bag of slop if you pulled the short straw and you got an STI. Now, is it, is it an appointment thing, or is it more just a walk-in and get it done kind of thing? You need to probably make an appointment okay. with the Planned Parenthood Clinic. One more, can I ask you one more question? You can something. ask me one more question. Okay, one more, and I hope, I hope I get this right. There was an acronym used about two or three episodes ago. There's a woman said a GGG. What's that? Uh, GGG stands for Good Giving and Game, which is what people should be for their sex partners. Good in bed. Uh, giving equal time and equal pleasure and game for anything within reason. Awesome. Cool. All right, Mr. Dan, I'm going in and, you know... I have your phone number. I'm going to fucking call you back next week. And if you don't have an appointment at a Planned Parenthood clinic, I'm going to fly to the approximate state where you reside and kick your ass. And you know what? My foot is covered with herpes. So when I kick your ass, you're totally going to get ass herpes. (laughs) Beautiful. Oh, man. Am I I done? Am I off the chair? You are done. (laughs) Have a good day, sir. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, Dan. I'm a mid-20s, couple years out of college, straight guy. Um, In school, I had a a pretty big anal kink, um, and I had a girlfriend that would play it out with me, and we... She would peg me, and I would fuck her in the ass, and we would have we had tons of toys that we played with, and it was great, and she was totally GGG. Um, we broke up um, at one point, and I uh, sort of I just wanted to play out the the fantasy, and I um, I slept with a guy, 
and uh, a friend of mine, um, and he um, he fucked me, and uh, uh, his I mean. I guess he just had a very large penis, or maybe it was more rough than she ever was. Um, but it hurt me, and after that, I, I had a really hard time putting anything in my butt, um, and it sort of uh, ruined it for me a little bit. And um, I just listened to your podcast with uh, the woman who was into S&M and you said something that really kind of intrigued me enough that you don't get over a kink. And I think, uh, that's probably true with me because I just, I haven't been satisfied sexually since. And, and I, I guess my question for you is what do I do to feel good about this again? Because it's, uh, I mean, I've tried by myself and I've tried, you know, with other partners bringing it up and, been gentle and taking my time and it's just I uh, I don't know what to do to uh, I, I haven't I mean I haven't had a sexual experience like what I had um, when I was able to play with all my toys and um, when I was able to get fucked in the ass by my girlfriend hopefully, hopefully you can uh, shed some light on, on what I can do Hey Tyler it's Dan I just listened to your uh message the the call you take for me about your butt issues yeah uh how's it going any changes no no same same as before okay. um I, I just want to get a chronology here how long ago did you have uh sex with a dude uh it was uh two years ago so it was in in well 2004 end of 2004 okay so it was a while ago now yeah, it was a while. It sounds like when you were in college, this girlfriend that you did everything with, uh, and, and it was your enjoyment of uh, being pegged by her that inspired you to maybe consider that you might like being fucked by a guy, even though you're straight? Yeah, well, I guess it was, I wanted to know, she didn't really get any enjoyment out of it. She did it just for me. Uh-huh. And I kind of wanted to see what it would be like with a partner that was getting pleasure out of it, because I, I get a lot of pleasure out of seeing someone else having, you know, getting off. Right, right, so. and so you watched this guy get off, but you got hurt. Yeah, and it was, I got hurt, and it was and not When, when you say me. hurt, did, did you have an anal fissure, did you have a tear? Uh, I, I, I don't really know what, it just hurt really, really bad afterwards to uh, try and put anything in there. Okay, so it may have been... You know, there was, was there any blood? Uh, maybe a little bit right afterwards. Okay, which is not which is not necessarily a sign of damage. That that can be normal because the tissues are pretty pretty thin and there's a lot of blood uh, vessels very close to the surface. So even normal anal sex and anal sex that didn't really hurt anybody, sometimes there can be blood. Uh, I, it, it sounds to me like. You know, and I'm sure you would agree now that the sleeping with a dude was kind of ill-advised uh, because if you are straight and not bi and not 95% straight with 5% bisexual frosting or anything, if you are actually right. straight, that probably part of what was you know working for you about having anal sex as a receptive partner with your girlfriend was her being a girl. Yeah, that makes more sense now. <laughs> and there's a whole lot, I mean, there's a whole lot of what goes into to bottoming in anal sex is psychological because so much of, 
our, you know, our first years on Earth is all about learning to control our anal sphincters and, right. and, you know, keep in what we want in. And then as an adult, if you get into anal sex, you sort of relearn how to control your anal sphincters and, uh, you know, let out and let in what you want to let out and in, as opposed to just what you want to keep in and what you want to defecate, right? Right. Um, if you have an, you know, an encounter that doesn't go well in anal sex, it can be, it can sort of be traumatizing in the subconscious level or it kind of throws you back to when you're first learning to get control of your bowels and uh, it can really make you feel out of control uh, if someone's inside you in your anal cavity and it's not working, you're not enjoying it or you don't enjoy the aftermath you know, your subconscious mind can really seize back up and re-seize control of that area and I assume that just as when you first started exploring yourself anally, you didn't go from zero to being pegged by your girlfriend Right, yeah. I started with small butt plugs and worked up. You started with small butt plugs and probably started without without doing insertion at all, whether you remember it or not. Yeah. Like I you guess. probably started up pulling up comforters between your legs or, you know, just touching yourself without inserting anything. Yeah. And and it also sounds like, it sounds like you haven't had since this experience or since college you haven't had the kind of intense, uh, I'm, I'm assuming here just from you know what little I could gather from your message, have you had another girlfriend that you've had as intense a connection with as you had with this previous girlfriend? No, I haven't, I haven't had a relationship like that since then. And, uh, but I mean, even, even just on my own, it's been, you know, I haven't had, well, I guess you know, without the connection, I, I haven't had, um, you know, an orgasm like I did when I was playing with and you can't even put a butt plug in yourself anymore. It's yeah, it just doesn't feel right. Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe I need to start back with at the beginning. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or? you kind of do need to go back to the beginning and and unpack the sort of damage you did yourself psychologically, um, or the damage that was done to you psychologically right. around anal control. Um, and I would advise you to go all the way back to square one to not doing insertion at all and stop regarding, you know, stop seeing getting all the way back to how much you loved it when you were, you know, in full swing in college with this ex uh, as your goal. You know, your goal is to take baby steps and to re relearn and, and, and begin to reassociate your butt with pleasure as opposed to with fear, pain, and now disappointment. And frustration. Yeah. And you need so, to just give yourself permission to, like, really backtrack. So stop. Just don't even... Don't even put anything inside. Okay. For a good long while. Just, okay. like, get a finger wet and and luby and just, you know, very gently play with the outside. Very gently externally. Because you can externally stimulate your prostate if you press against... Your, your taint and up against your anus, you can still stimulate your prostate without having to get inside. Now you need right. to demonstrate to your asshole that you are going to go slow and be careful and not put him through that again while still having pleasurable sexual, uh, still driving sexual pleasure from him. Let's just call him him. Let's anthropomorphize your asshole if you don't mind. Okay. And no more sleeping with guys. Yeah, that I, I figured that one out. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you did. And, I, you know, a message out there to every other straight guy in America who tries pegging, who thinks, well, maybe because I like this fake dick so much. Well, part of the reason that you like the fake dick is because it's attached to a real woman. 
And part of what makes anal sex work is feeling safe and comfortable and receptive to someone. And part of what makes a man feel that way about his sex partner as a straight man is that his sex partner is a straight woman. Or is a bi woman. In the best of all possible worlds, according to more straight guys. Yeah. <laughs> but but I also but you should take it really slow, experiment gently, work your way back up. You need to reassociate anal pleasure with not with some mark you're falling short of now because of this experience. But you just need to reassociate it with selfish sexual pleasure, with it being about you, and make it feel safe again. Don't be disappointed if it's training wheels anal or external anal stimulation for a good long time. And perhaps until you can have the kind of relationship again with someone that you had with this girl in college. Hopefully right. someone you can be honest with. I would encourage you not to have that kind of sex with a woman who doesn't know about this unfortunate experience, because they're going to need to be more cautious and considerate. Yeah, probably if I had the same girlfriend now, she would wonder why I wasn't into it. Into it as much. Where is she now? Uh, SoCal. You might want to go visit her sometime <laughs> down the road. Yeah. Okay. But you don't right. don't feel like it's ruined for you forever. You'll get back there. You know, people sometimes, when it comes to sex, have a really unpleasant experience, and they have some unpleasant associations with that experience, and it just takes some time to burn it off. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it helps to explore other things for a while, to set it aside for a while. Have you been really trying to, like, get back in the game for, like, the last two years, anally? I mean, I well, for the first year, I was really just not into it. I tried a few times and just, I, I couldn't do it. And then Solo? After, you tried a few times solo? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, and with with a, a new partner that it just didn't work out with. Mm -hmm. um, she was not gentle. Okay. Well, <sighs> no one can be more gentle and go slower than you can yourself. Yeah. So just try by myself. Try I mean, by yourself. I, only by yourself. Reserve it for masturbation. Right. You know, and if you have a new partner and she's into anal and she's like, hey, you ever want? And you're like, you know, I had a really bad experience. I'm taking it really slow, and so my back door is a no-go zone for a while, but I'll get back there, I'm sure. Just be right. chill about it. Give yourself permission to take it really slow and to you be in, and for you to be in charge of it. That makes sense. No more sleeping with fucking dudes. <laughs> okay. Okay? All right. Talk to you soon. Thanks. Give us a call back sometime. Give us a status report. All right, I will. Thank okay. you, man. Bye. All right, that uh, brings us to the end of another Savage Lovecast. The phone number here, if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast, 206-201-2720. Once again, that number, 206-201-2720. And you download the podcast easily, quickly, rapidly, fastly, efficiently, every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. We'll be back next week with another podcast.